You're going to want to hear this. Our next in-person mastermind is coming up and we're doing things a little differently. Tickets are available to everyone. No membership required. Picture this, a day and a half of learning, networking, and problem solving with like-minded law firm owners who are as passionate about building the best law firm possible as you are. We'll kick things off with a presentation from sales and marketing expert, Dave D. If you don't know Dave, be sure to go back to episode 605 of the Maximum Lawyer podcast to hear him share how lawyers can stand out in a crowded market. Following his keynote and Q&A are the Mastermind Hot Seats. Every attendee has the opportunity to dive deep into their business obstacles with their mastermind group and coach. There's nothing like the energy of being with other driven law firm owners who are just as committed to their success as you are. We believe that nothing beats working on your firm in person, so join us in Charlotte on July 15th and 16th. This is your chance to break through barriers, gain fresh perspectives, and accelerate your law firm's success. Visit MaxLawEvents.com for full event details and to grab your ticket today. Run your law firm the right way. way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimbo? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I've had a nice, productive day. Got a lot done. What about you? Well, we're supposed to be having our hot seat, but one of our members decided to reschedule. And so we've decided to record this podcast today, and I'm excited about the topic. I'm also excited about my new setup Kent Richardson is back and he set up a kick-ass studio for us here at Old Hacking Immigration Law. Yeah, I like it. I, it looks very professional. The I don't know, like when I first popped on, it just it looks it looks really good. I, the, the only thing it's missing is like that like uh, big time professional set that you see in some of these podcasts these days. But no, it looks really good. We'll get there. We'll get there. I have to send Kent my way. He's gonna come fly with me, so I'll pay him to set up my setup too. Be, uh, be good or, or, or hacking immigration can pay for it. I don't care. That's what off my back. All right. So Jimmy, you have a topic for us today and I thought it was a good one. And it's, so I'll let you introduce what the topic is, but I'll tell you what I wrote down. Three things I've learned from Jim. So <laughs> introduce the topic for today. The topic was what are three things that we've learned from each other about running a law firm while we've been running this podcast? In other words, what are lessons that we've seen, either something overt that happened or something that developed over time. And certainly mine, most of mine are from things that I've just observed about you over time. So I thought it would make an interesting podcast topic for us today. I did too. It really made me, I was, I was, it was interesting. I've always told you this, you, you do a much better job of like self-reflection, like just, but I did feel like today I was like in this like self-reflection mode and then we texted about the topic. And then, so I was like, sort of like, it, you caught me at a really good time because I was like, okay, I, it's like more of like a self-reflection moment for me. So I was, a, I was able to come up with some good, some good ones fairly easily, but I'm, I'm curious to, to hear what you come up with. But your topic, you go first. Let's hear it. Well, I, I, just to your point, I think it's easier to think about what 
we've learned from each other. It'd be funny if we did one things I've taught you over the last seven years, that would be, that would be a whole different one. But I think that it's easier to reflect on the things you've observed from your partner than maybe to reflect so much on yourself. But for my first one, one thing that I've learned from you, Tyson, is the value of incremental improvement. And, you know, so many people go for the home run and think that if I just design the perfect system, if I just, you know, sit down and write out, the perfect formula for whatever it is I'm trying to fix instead of just sort of trying to improve it a little bit each day or each iteration. That's one of the things that I've really been impressed with you and the way you work at your firm is you're, you're, you're not afraid to just focus on small little things. You can do the big swings too, but day in and day out, I think you've gotten much further than most people because of your focus on just making things a little bit better. So yeah, I, I I do agree. I'd say I'm probably good at that. The I think also have an uncanny ability to, and this sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, but I just it's just something I've, I know about myself that I do think I've got an ability to look deep into the future, see things, and then break them down incrementally, and then chip away out at them over time. I, I, so I do, I, th- I do think it comes from that, the ability to look deep, deep, deep into the future and then, okay, how we're going to get to that point. And so I, I do think a lot of it does, does come from that part of, of, of me. It's a that's an interesting that's, observation. That's a real superpower too, because it's the, a lot of people can figure out where things might be headed, but to, to then be able to break it down and to start marching towards that, it makes me think of, that Norman Schwarzkopf quote about just taking action, that so many people wait too long to take action and that they, like we really see a lot of people stymied by an inability to just start, right? And so I think that's one thing that, that's been great about about Mutrix injury law. Yeah, and I, about that, I mean, we, I think, I think what we don't realize is that we've already started, no matter where, like we've already started. It's just a matter of, where is it taking you? Whatever you've started, where is that where is that taking you? So you've already started something. It's just a matter of where are you going. And once you figure out where you're going, and then you can start to figure out, okay, what are my next steps? So I, I I do think we sometimes fail to realize that we've already started whatever it is, like our we've already started our future. Now how do we adjust course to get to where we're gonna be? But let's 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 get to my first one. That way we have enough time with all these. It is this. Here's what I've learned from you. One this is probably the number one thing address and embrace the pain you've endured in your life it's you you have an ability it's something that i think that's why you're really really good in these hot seats where you you try to get to the pain right you try to get to people's pain but i I think one addressing it like so i i chose these words very carefully that's why i read it off my my notes because you have to address it all right. So you have to acknowledge the fact that it's there and address it. But then you it's happened, whatever the pain is in your life, and then you embrace it and and you you own it. So you control it. Once you've owned it, you can you can control it. And so you've done, you've taken past events from your life, you've you've addressed them, you've embraced them, and you've used that in your story and you've used that to really, I'd say, propel you to where you want to be. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. And, and it takes a lot of work to be able to even be in that kind of a situation. So I appreciate the comment. I do think that I use what's happened to me in the past as fuel. And, you know, I, I think that there's a, a motivator 
there, a motivating factor there that really makes me want to push through. And, and, you know, a lot of times Tyson, I view what I do with immigrants and what I do with lawyers with you similarly in that I, I view a big part of what I do is trying to help ease people's suffering. And I think it takes suffering to appreciate the suffering of others and to commiserate with them. And so I think it makes me a more empathetic lawyer. It makes me, you know, it drives me also, you know, it helps me spot foes and then work against those foes. And so I do, it does lead me, I think, to look at the world in a little bit of a more black and white thing and, and to, to the good and the bad of that. But I do think that tapping into that can be really powerful. And if you haven't done the work to look at your traumas, I think that it could really hold you back. Yeah, I, I heard this. I heard this really good. It was not a quote, but it was a phrase. And maybe this is a common one. I've never heard it, but it's. And bear with me here because I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. But like, if you think of a slingshot, the farther you've been held, or the more you've been held back, the farther you can go. And I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but I think for people that have have been through some sort of trauma or have, have had setbacks, I think you can use that as motivation. If you think about it like a, a slingshot where, you know, the farther you've been held back or pulled back, the farther you can go. I do think it's a, a really fun one that you can use to, to propel yourself into the future. The second thing that I've learned from you that I outlined is systematize, systematize, systematize. And then when you're done, systematize some more. And I, I think that, you know, We've, those of us who've attended all the Max Law Cons have seen your design books and, and know, you know, you've always been very generous sharing your systems with other people. Obviously, when we worked on maximum law, minimum time for the guild, that we, were, we looked at each other's systems. And I just know that you, you automatically default almost to systems. And, and that probably goes part and parcel with the first thing that you said about. Uh, in incremental improvement and, and breaking things down. So you invest a lot in systems. And I think that's the right way to frame it, investing a lot in systems, because it is an investment. And I'm working right now on some things with my team. And I can, I can see where if we do X amount of hours now on the front end, that it's going to pay off X to the X degree later on in the fact that people are going to be able to work faster and easier and cut down on mistakes. You know, I think, I think where this comes from is what it, it goes back to the first one, because it, when, and whenever I'm talking to employees too, where I tell them like what we're building is a something for the future. And so it's something where I'm always, I'm, I'm always kind of thinking about that. Okay. So let's build this now. And then as we continue to build it and build it and build it, what we can do is we can, we can tweak things as we go, but just my viewpoint is, is that like, if we're going to, if we're going to set up some sort of process or do something, we're going to be doing it again and again and again. So let's go ahead and build a process for it, system for it. And then that the, we're building it on to this machine that we're building. And then that's kind of why I view it. It's like, we're kind of building this machine and we're building as it we're go as we're going. And, and I think that that's probably where that comes from. You asked me that before. I remember a long time ago, you said, do you think this, because you were in the military and I, I don't think it has anything to do at all with the, <laughs> with the military background at all. I don't necessarily know where that came from, but I don't think it's, only, I don't think it's military, but yeah, that, that's, I think that probably sums me up pretty well. 
Tyson, how do you know when you've systematized enough? I think that's something too, that some people might go to another extreme, like how granular do you get it? How, you know, systematized can you be and can you be over systematized? I guess is the question. hundred percent. I learned that from you. That's not one. That's my bonus. That's a bonus one. I remember early on. So I, I think I take two things away from you and from, there's two things I take away. It's from you and from uh, Jason Self. The first one is, is I, I always think back to your first Infusionsoft setup that you had paid someone to build out and you couldn't use it because it was too complicated. And so I, I think about that. And I also think about it from the user's perspective, which the user is our employees, our teammates. So you have to think about, okay, from their perspective, how is this going to work? And so to, to answer your question, yes. But the other thing is like simpler is almost always better. If you think about uh, many of the websites that you've gone to, or like I'm talking about anything, we have to log into it and use the thing, whatever the thing is. It's almost always way better if it has less bells and whistles. Like if you like if you were to go to like so anyone that uses Case Text right now, it, they've got a really cool thing called CoCouncil. By the way, you should check it out. But if you compare that to Lexus, so you or Westlaw, you open theirs up and you compare them. It is very simple. It's a very simple user interface, right? It's very, very simple. And you just go in. I mean, it's it's you don't have all these different links that you can click on when you're, when you're in there. So when you're in there, you do the business, you get out. You don't need to do all these other things and all the, have all these other bells and whistles. And so I, th you should probably, whenever you all are designing things for your firms, whatever the system or process is, it should be with that in mind. Think about the end user. Who's the end user? If it's you, great, make it very simple. But most people are not going to want something really, really complicated. They're going to want something that's very simple. It does the thing that you that you need it to do. And you don't need a bunch of other things for it. Because all, other, other, all the other bells and whistles, you rarely use those things. And that's something that I've learned over time is that you think you need all these additional things and you don't really need all these additional things. They're there for the one-off that you use maybe once a year you don't use them on a regular basis. So design it with simplicity in mind. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our topic today, three things that we've learned from each other. Tyson's going to share the second thing that he thinks he's learned from me. So my second one, the second thing I've learned from you is to put your flag in the ground and take a position. And this was something that's something that still is very hard for me to do, where you will... It does not matter what it is you will take. And I think this part of this is your personality where you will go to one extreme. And I'm not talking about that just generally how you, you will, you will sometimes or many times jump to one extreme, but you are not afraid to go to that extreme, you know, put your stake in the ground and take a position. And you use that in your marketing really, really well, where you take a position and you're not really afraid of hurting people's feelings. And I think that is a very powerful thing. And it's, it's, it's something that you can, it allows you to strengthen your message and, and improve your marketing. And I think people, I think some people may not like you for it, but I think the majority of people will like you for it because you're, you're willing to stand up and take that, take that position. When I went to an early Ben Glass presentation, one of the things he said, the worst thing you can do in marketing is be boring, which I think is true, but also you know, it's nice for me because I'm authentic in, in what I say that I like and what I don't like. But also, you know, Seth Godin and Tribes, which is one of the first books I read when I opened up the firm, was very adamant that if you try to make everybody happy, you're not going to make anybody happy and you're certainly not going to stand out. And so when I looked at 
immigration as an issue. And I realized that 30% of people will always love what I do. And 30% of people will always hate what I do. Then I don't need to worry about those 30% who are going to hate us for what we do. So just focus on the 30% that love us and the 30% that are open to what we do or need us. Try not to antagonize them so much, but by taking a position, you make the people that agree with you, love you that much more. And otherwise they're just going to think you're a cog. And so for me, I'm lucky. I have a platform. I came, I came into owning a law firm at a time when technology made spreading a message really easy. I happen to have a message that I believe in and that, that I, I can easily tap into. And so sort of all those things combined. Are you tired of the marketing guessing game? Does your website feel more like a digital billboard than a client magnet? If you're nodding along, you're not alone. And it's time to stop the uncertainty and start getting real results. Let's talk about your marketing spend. Are you just shelling out money every month and crossing your fingers? Do you ever wonder what impact your marketing is really having on your revenue? Well, it's time to take the guesswork out of the equation with Rise Up Media. We've been working with them for over a year and the feedback from our fellow members has been fantastic. Rise Up Media is here to take your marketing to the next level. They'll even perform a full audit of your online presence, giving you the good, the bad, and even let you in on what your competition is up to that you're missing out on. And the best part, there's no obligation, no catch, no pressure. If you decide to work with them, their contracts are month to month. That's right. No long-term commitments tying you down. So... What are you waiting for? To learn more about how Rise Up Media can transform your firms, visit riseupmedia.com forward slash maxlaw and rise is spelled with a Z. Riseupmedia.com forward slash maxlaw. To put me where I am now, I think. Okay, so the the willingness to do it, the ability to do it, it is, I think it's a really hard thing to do because you for I'll, I'll use I'll use Trump as an example, right? That's a very divisive thing. You know, he's a very divisive person. But in your immigration emails and if in a lot of your messaging, you you don't worry about taking a position on some of the things that he's done or even with President Biden. It doesn't matter what the president who, who the president is, but you're willing you're willing to go to one side or the other. And I think that that would offend a lot of people. So, I guess what is your message to people, whether it's personal injury or estate planning? Because you know, when it comes to personal injury, I rarely am I going to be attacking the president of the United States, but I might be attacking a local representative for you know pitching tort reform or something like that. I might be doing that, but you know, when it comes to estate planning, family law, things like that, you don't have those boogeymen like you do sometimes with personal injury, but especially not with immigration. So, what is your advice to people when it comes to taking that position, taking that that stand on one side or the other? And I'm not talking about politics, but in just anything. How can you convince someone, or how would you? What would you say to someone that is afraid of breaking out of their shell and and taking a position and offending one side or the other? Think about Thanos. How many members? of the Avengers did it take to defeat Thanos? It took about seven or eight Avengers to beat Thanos, right? So in my, in my, in my mind, you almost have to have a villain to fight against, right? You almost have to have someone, and it, can, it should be legitimate, right? So you've got to have someone to market against. And, and the, the power and strength of the villain raises the power and strength of the hero. 
right? So what, what I like to do is to think about, you know, who am I fighting against? Who am I fighting for? And how can I accentuate the power and strength of the villain so that on the rare occasions when they're able to be vanquished and I'm the one doing it, I'm the hero, right? So it's all legit. I'm like, I, I, I don't purposely calculate to do that, but I think that it, it just sort of coincided naturally. And then, of course, when it comes to immigration, I couldn't have come up with a villain who said the things that they said about immigration that Trump said. So if it's someone in a, in a generic practice area, I think I would be obsessed. If I'm doing estate planning, I would be obsessed and I would talk about all the time the evil that happens when mom or dad dies and the government gets all your tax, all your money through taxes. Like I would, I would be talking about that all the time. I'd be pounding. You got to pound the villain almost more than you pound yourself, you know? And so, and obviously for you, it'd be insurance companies and these out of town lawyers that want to come in and put up these billboards and think you're so stupid, Mr. and Mrs. Missourian, that you're going to go to this guy in Florida who doesn't know a goddamn thing about the way courts work in Missouri. And I would just be marketing against him every single day. Very interesting. I, li- I like that. I think I, uh, for uh, those of you listening, I would rewind that a couple of times and take some notes. That was, that was good advice. I was skeptical when you started with Thanos, but you sold me. So that's, that's good. I like it. All right. So uh, my, yeah, go to your third one. My third topic, the things that you taught me, again, it goes back to one of our maximum lawyer events. And I think of you sitting up on stage with your feet hanging off the end of the stage. And you talked about stopping the BS. Stopping the BS. And I come I come back to that and to Bill Umansky's Flip It Like a Pancake often. When it comes to stopping the BS, I think that so many of us spend so much time talking ourselves out of doing the things that we know we need to do that when you get a clarion call like stop the BS, it just sort of like a knife through butter makes it very clear that so much of what we tell ourselves on a day-to-day basis ends up being negative or bad or not something we need to even be thinking about. And so, you know, you can talk yourself into things that you shouldn't be doing. You can talk yourself out of doing the things that you need to do. And what really you need to do is just stop the BS and, and do what you know in your heart of hearts actually needs to be done. You know, it's funny. I've not thought about that presentation in a long time. It's, this is this is a good good walk down memory lane for me. Yeah, the I think we I think sometimes I need to tell myself that a little bit more than what I what I I do. There's there's something else. There, I think there's an extension on this too. Is like stop you know stop believing your BS too. I think that there's follow up speech on that too. But because sometimes you 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 start to believe your own BS and that's that's a dangerous thing too. But I I do find it interesting the number of people that we've talked to over the last seven eight years i I don't know what we're at this point is it seven years i always get this wrong seven years all right all right so uh last seven years and how many of them know the answer to whatever it is that they're looking for the whatever solution they're, they're looking for they know they know what the solution is and for whatever reason they won't do it and i think sometimes they just they need a wake-up call like you want to shake them and i that that was the point of that that whole that whole speech was like to shake, shake a few people. That's why I, that's why I said what I said, because sometimes, you know, people will go to a conference and they'll listen to these things and, you know, great, I, I'm going to do these things. But I, I did use the colorful language that I did to wake some people up because I think, I think sometimes people need that. You, you need the wake up call, stop, stop messing around, take the actions you need to take or stop doing the things that, that you say you shouldn't be doing 
and just move on, like quit doing those things. So that's a good walk, good walk down memory lane, Jimbo. All right. So let's get to my last one. And mine, the last one, it's, it's, I, I actually had to break these two down because I, I, they are different and it's similar to the last one, but I did want to make sure I, I completely took it out and made it separate because we already sort of talked about this, but because we talked about putting your flag in the, in the ground and taking a position, but there's a second part to this. you talked about it a little bit, but it's don't worry about what people think about you. And I've heard you, you've, and I, here's the thing. I don't know if you truly care about what people think about you, but I get, I like, from my viewpoint, it seems like you just don't give a damn at all what people think. Like I've heard you say, who cares? Like I've, I've heard you, I've heard you say, you know, F them, <laughs> but it's, it is like, you know what? That's right. I'll, I'll, every time you say it, I'm like, you know what? That's right. Who cares? Like why, like, why do I care what they think? And so that is one of those things where like, I'm still bad about it, but especially early on in my life, like I cared about too, way too much about what people thought, like way, much, way too much about what, what people thought about me. And so I think you make decisions that don't that aren't necessarily in your best interest when you do that. You you do things that are in the best interest of those people as opposed to what's in the best interest of, for you and your family. And so I think the ability to do that is really powerful. And so I have tried to do more of that where not I don't really give a damn what other people think. And sometimes I'll say it and I won't really believe it, but at least saying it gives me a little bit more power in 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 controlling what the message is well here's what i'll say about that number one is i am 10 or so years older than you so i think with age comes some of that caring less about what other people think number two i definitely do like people to like me and i definitely do things that i think increases chances of people liking me but i believe the world is such a big place that my job is to find the people that already like me or are already inclined to like me as opposed to trying to convince these other people to like me. So I think that's, that's maybe where the power comes in is like, I'm sort of like an, in, I'm sort of like an open invitation to like me, but if you don't like me, that's okay. I'm not for everybody. And so that's sort of, that might be a little bit of the, of a distinction that I might say with what you say, because everybody wants to be liked. And I, and I definitely do a lot of stuff to help people. And part of that is to, I think, because I have those same insecurities and want people to like me. But also part of it is just, you know, you got to let go of the result. You just do your best. You build your tribe, you build your audience, and then you just see what happens. There is this, and this is, this was supposed to be my tip of the week, but I, I want to ask you about it. So there was a, there's a podcast episode that is really good that just came out. I think it just came out. I just now watched it, but it's a guy named Mike Williamson, I think is his name. And he interviewed Rich Rule. And he talked about how he had he he had started to create these relationships with people. And these these relationships were the I'm gonna tell the short story of this. Essentially, these were the people he didn't really want to be around. And these were these were actually like he was that person. Like the people he didn't want to be around was he was that person. And he didn't realize that the way he was acting was attracting the people that he didn't want to be around. And mm -hmm. so he's like spent the last several years, you know, trying to be the person he wanted to be and the, 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 the person that he wanted to be around. So I want to get your thoughts on based on what you just said, what are your thoughts on that? And how, how have you been able to surround yourself with the people that you've surrounded yourself with? Well, you do have to actively distance yourself from people that you don't want to be around or the types of people you don't want to be around. So I think there's, 
there has to be some conscious decision making going on about, you know, is this the kind of, is this the way I want to spend my time, my limited time? Are, are these the people that I want to spend my time with? I mean, I think within our firm, we have assembled a lot of people that we like being with. And I think that's really important. I think, I think also that in a way we become energy and we, and we, we attract people that are similar. So I definitely think that if you're in touch with who you are and comfortable with who you are, that eventually you just sort of put out into the world, this energy that people latch onto and like, and want to be around. So I, I think that's, I think that's definitely true. Very good. All right. Well, that was my third. You've done your three. Any last words before we wrap this baby up? Mm. No, I just think we're lucky to have had this time together. And I think that we've learned a lot from each other. And I actually think that we sort of balance each other out. You know, you, you pointed out about how I say a lot of things and sometimes are sort of on the extreme. And one of the great things about your friendship is that every now and then I go a little too far and I get a little nudge from old Tyson saying, ah, you sure you want to say that? You got to reel you in a little bit every once in a while, but everyone, every, that's the thing. We all need a little bit of an anchor to, to bring us back in. All right. So let's wrap things up before I do. I do have another tip since uh, I use my, use my one, my one up, but I've got another tip before I do get to my tip and Jimmy's hack. I want to remind everyone, join us in the big old Facebook group, search maximum lawyer inside of Facebook. And then if you want a higher level conversation, join us in the guild, go to max law guild, Dot com, And we've got our quarterly mastermind coming up. And so if you want to join us in, and for one of those quarterly masterminds, make sure you join us in the guild. That's another uh, one of the benefits of joining. Jimmy, what is your tip or your hack of the week? I mean, what's your hack of the week? As you know, I've read Atomic Habits several times and I've never gotten around to Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit. It has a little bit more of the science behind habit formation and the anecdotes and the science in the book um, make it a worthy companion to atomic habits i'd still put atomic habits up above but i think that anytime you can talk about how to develop good habits or break bad habits that's all time well spent love it love it another book to put on our bookshelves and and geez i'll never i will never read all the books that i want to read my entire life but i will do my best trying so i'm going to do my best to explain this but i i was it was weird. I stumbled on a TED talk of, a, of one comedian, and then it led to another. Te- I was I was doing some work in the yard, and it, it then automatically played. It was on YouTube. Automatically played a TED talk for from another comedian. And there's a guy named it's Michael Jr. Mike Jr. Michael Jr. And he's he's a clean comic. He's I've I've, I've actually seen some of his stuff before. I can't tell you where, but he was talking about how he like he's big into charity. So every time they go and do some sort of stand up. He then does some sort of volunteering in that town. Oh, and I think it's pretty cool. But he was talking about how comedians, what they have is they've got the setup and then they've got the punchline. And then in exchange for the punchline, they get laughter. So they receive laughter. And, and he said that there was some moment in his career where he it just he had an epiphany where he instead of instead of like getting up there just to get that superficial laugh, right? He, it, it, cause he was, he wasn't particularly happy. He was, I think he was in a pretty bad spot, I think at the time. And he said, you know, instead of getting up there just to get that laugh, what if I get up and give them the opportunity to laugh? And I thought it was a really, when he said it, I was like, it, it instantly made sense to me where it's like, Oh, and it's funny because, 
where I where I initially took it was okay. When I'm settling these cases and I'm I'm dealing with these insurance companies and these these d- defense attorneys and I'm I'm dealing with the other side, the defendant. Like I'm actually like instead of us like trying to go and get the settlement check, let's let's give them the opportunity to actually try to resolve this case. We don't have to put our client through it. We don't have to put them through it. And it did, it was interesting because it changed my mindset on a lot of things. And the, and the same thing applies to whenever it comes to, you know, dealing with our clients and it really anyone, you can apply that we're okay. I'm giving something and it's, it's just a mindset shift where I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give me a laugh. Right. So, or I'm sorry, I'm going to give you the opportunity to laugh. And I, I, I do think it was a really interesting way of putting it. And, and it makes it, Instead of you just going out there to get that superficial thing, like so, instead of us, you know, going out there just to sell that check or settle that case to just just to get a check, instead we are we're 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 doing this, and it's going to give the clients the opportunity to get their lives back on track, recover from their injuries. It's going to allow them to, you know, maybe maybe they can because they 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 had a really serious injury. Maybe this is going to give them the opportunity to to do something better for their children or for their, you know, for their spouse or whatever it may be. But I, I thought it was a very, very important message. So for anyone that wants to watch it, go to look it up on Ted talks and Mike, I think his name is Michael jr. So really good. All right, Jimbo it was a fun episode. Good talking to you. We went a little bit long, but no worries as always great talking to you. And for anybody that this is on YouTube, check, check out Jim's new setup. It looks really ah, good. All right, buddy. All right, man. Good talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.